0: Let's be honest. I mean, we are internally focused, you know, on where our career is going, where our education is going, where we're, what we're going to get from life. And so now it's being completely redirected externally. How can we build a presence in our city that the, the city can't ignore? How can we build a church that lasts beyond ourselves? And how can we be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves on a consistent basis? And so all of that to me is really exciting. Um, it gives you a much larger, um, a larger picture of life.
1: You're listening to The New Leaf Project, sharing stories from instigators, innovators, planters, and starters from across Canada.
2: Hi, I'm Jared.
1: And my name is Elle,
2: And you're listening to The New Leaf Project project today we have another interview from our friend L pike so L, tell us who you were talking with today
1: i had the opportunity to sit down and talk with brandon richardson who is a church planter here in waterloo uh it was awesome to talk to someone who loves kitchener waterloo as much as i do unlike said beard across the screen here
2: Mm-mm-mm.
1: you'll eat your words one day It's great,
2: great. Mm -hmm.
1: The Mm K-dub. It's a great city. So, yeah, really interesting. Maybe some of our listeners would actually remember uh, back in the day, uh, there was uh, an organization called Embassy. Uh, um, It was a uh, student-run church that was happening out of Wilford Laurier. Jared, you checked that out back in the day?
2: Yeah, I was there in 2007 uh, with my friends Joe Manifo and Nathan Calhoun, and we were uh, in the middle of shooting a documentary called hmm. One Size Fits All, you can check that out online if you ever want to. onesizefitsall.ca, you can watch the whole documentary there. At that time, Dominic Russo was the pastor. Dominic is uh, he's, he's moved on several times since then, uh, now is a planter in Montreal. Uh, we actually did a, a, a blog interview with him um, on our Facebook page. Uh, i think about a month ago so you can go check that out but um yeah it was it was a really vibrant very interesting student-led kind of a thing um and uh, i really liked it the kind of i think it met on sunday nights if i'm not mistaken and you also had a connection to the that iteration didn't you
1: I did. Uh, I We visited it back in the day, actually, when it was just, uh, it was Monday nights. Uh, oh, it was at, Monday nights. Maybe. At the Humanities Theater. Ooh, that's dating me, for those who know, back in the day at the Humanities Theater. Yeah, super interesting. It's been a really vibrant um, student ministry that has been going on for a while. Um, my friend Brandon, he inherited it when it was not... As vibrant, and has mm. done an incredible job with it in the last three years. He and his wife have been co-leading uh, the embassy, the student-led ministry, and they are now transitioning it into. Uh, a church and planting a church out of it. And so super interesting. Great guy. I I know you're going to love this interview because number one, Brandon is legit. He is in the trenches doing the work. Um, and he's working with young adults and working with um, people who have really no many of them really have no Um, experience or history with church or christianity or jesus and he is doing some incredible work um he's got a buzz that is about town about the work that he's doing Uh, they meet in an incredible music venue in waterloo called maxwell's music house so incredible stuff you guys are gonna love it great guy him and his wife doing great stuff so really happy to have brought this story and uh check it out this is brandon richardson of the embassy Hi newly friends, we are hanging out today with Brandon Richardson here in Waterloo. You are the lead pastor of the embassy. The embassy. So, soon to be something else, but that's part of our story. So
0: Yeah, do we want to wait to get there? Yeah, we'll wait. We'll okay. give him a little teaser. Let's do that.
1: So we're hanging out in the great town of uh Waterloo. Do you love Waterloo?
0: Absolutely. Yeah, this is the best city in Canada. Agreed. Yeah.
1: I'm a big KW fan. But I throw the K in there because technically I live in the K part of KW. Kitchener <laughs>
0: people always throw the K <laughs>
1: Yeah, we throw the K in. It's KW. It's Waterloo Region. That's Thanks right. very much. That's awesome. So we're hanging out today. You've got a pretty incredible story to mm-hmm. tell all about your uh, interesting ministry and church plant stuff. So maybe maybe let's start at the very beginning. Like, Tell me a little bit about yourself for people who don't know who you are.
0: Sure. Well, I grew up in a small town, Coburg, Ontario. I grew up in the church, a wonderful family. And uh, as I got older and focused uh, in on money, I realized that it was pretty empty when I worked at a factory and everybody was laid off during the summer I worked there. And so uh, I had to reevaluate and realize my entire life was actually leading me in the place of not engineering, but pastoring everything from setting up my stuffed animals as a child and preaching to them to going up in my, uh, I think it was my grade one Uh, Sunday school class and asking what is the divide between um, Jews and Muslims really about and uh, so yeah these are deep questions that not every uh, grade one child is asking and so I started digging a little deeper in my high school years and realized I actually wanted to go into pastoring that's kind of what I had been designed for if you will and so I set my eyes on that and uh, talked to my then girlfriend but now wife about what we would do about that And we went off to school together and um
1: very nice where'd you guys go to school
0: so we went to redeemer university very nice in ancaster yep ontario
1: that's a good place that's
0: yeah, really good she was able to do a religion theology psychology double major and i was able to do a religion theology business uh, major
1: awesome yeah. that's awesome so you graduate from school you and your wife yeah and so what's next
0: yeah so we are these young university students with a dream And uh, we actually had our mind set on Toronto. We thought um, we're supposed to plant a church. We didn't even know that other people did this at the time, although it's been a movement for a while. So we actually started a church planting team. We just thought, if we're going to do this, let's not do it alone. And uh, we had our eyes set on Toronto. This whole team was praying over Toronto. We were visiting it, visiting churches in Toronto, helping other church plants in Toronto set up and tear down and contributing where we could. And all of a sudden it dawned on on us that we were doing this all in the wrong timing. Uh, It just didn't feel right. It didn't sit right with our spirits. Our Mm -hmm. entire team was kind of having the same feeling. And so we had to kind of suck it up, swallow our pride, and kind of put an end to this little team that was forming and starting to dream of what it would look like to plant a church in uh, one of these great cities in in Canada. And right around this time, a guy named Brandon Mallow approached us. Uh, He happens to be my wife's uncle. And said, Hey, I would love to uh, take you to a church planning network um, conference. I would love uh, to aid you guys in your, in your church planning search. uh, What it would look like uh, to plant a church. I'll uh, introduce you to some of my contacts and that sort of thing. So we went to this conference and we began to realize that he was just luring us into a little bit of a trap. Uh, By the end of it, we were sitting in Buffalo Wild Wing in Oakville, Ontario. And he was proposing that we come lead this fledgling student ministry called the Embassy. And something struck a chord in our hearts. I mean, my wife had already um, applied to a, a master's program in Waterloo. She was going to drive from Toronto. We had these crazy plans. And uh, all of a sudden, it started to feel like everything was coming together and making sense. Hmm. And so we uh, we prayed f- about uh, a week on it. Just felt right in our spirits and... Uh, we, uh, we accepted the position at this this church called the embassy.
1: Awesome. So I remember going to the embassy back in the day hmm. at... Uh, I'm not going to tell you how far back in the day, because <laughs> I still pretend I'm young. Um, but I remember going to it back in the day when it was at the um, the university, and it was like... It was a big happening place. Yeah. But I think when you took it over, it was a little maybe not as happening. Is that is that, yeah, sure?
0: that That's probably an okay way to describe it. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean... The great thing about the embassy is that it sparked a lot of other church planning movements in Canada. In fact, it it has Brandon and Melissa Mallow are probably responsible for a lot of church um, churches that are now placed on campuses across Canada just by the way that they did the embassy in those early years. And so, yeah, it blew up. Um, Embassy began to realize that they had this this interesting dilemma in, in their hands that students were growing up meeting each other having kids and wondering do we still bring our kids to this monday night 7 30 service right. or what should we do and so brandon uh and and his team decided well why don't we start a family church and this could be an, an awesome transition um, once students get married and they enter into a new stage of life then they have this other church that they're able to now bring their families to and and attend and uh, that church It's called Elevation. It's still growing and and very healthy here in the city of Waterloo. And uh, they started uh, doing this for a number of years. But Brandon quickly learned as Elevation grew that he could not hold both in his hands. So what you had over the next 18 years, um, until when we we stepped in ourselves, is you had a transition in leadership about every four years. Every four years, it seemed to be a new leader. There was some great times for the embassy during those years, and there were some times where it was a little more difficult. And so the place where we picked it up was in one of these difficult seasons where vision was a little lost, direction was a little bit lost. Uh, They're trying some new things, and I think given some more time, they may have been able to accomplish those things. But it was it was either a a time where Elevation, who was providing a lot of support for our embassy at the time, was going to have to either... Um, shut embassy down, right? Or breathe new life uh, through different leadership. So I have no clue why they thought M and I would be a good option for them, but they put their trust in us. and And when we came in, rather than being this robust, um, very successful student ministry, we walked in and there's about thirty uh, people, and uh, and there's a little bit more in in shambles.
1: What was that like for you guys? Because you had kind of had this dream of starting mm-hmm. this thing in Toronto. You come here and you inherit this. You know, a 30-person thing. Like, what what was it like when you kind of stepped into that?
0: So when we first came in, uh, it was different. Uh, we, we certainly had these grand dreams in our hearts. But one of the things that we led with was this conviction that we were supposed to be here. And so while we were only asked to come for a two-year term and see how things worked out, uh, we were already thinking with a 10-year um, vision. In fact, since that time, we've been thinking with a 300-year a vision. Like, what does it look like to leave a legacy right. versus just um, our impact in a moment? And so while we walked in and finances and, you know, even if you just want to use a simple KPI of, of numbers, uh, while they were all kind of fledgling and not doing well, we had the perspective that if we did this right and we made it healthy, healthy things grow and eventually it would work out. Mm-hmm. Um, I learned from watching other leaders that skill plus no passion usually doesn't go anywhere. But even passion with not a whole lot of skill generally leads somewhere. And so I wasn't sure where my skill was at. We were right at a university, but we had a whole lot of passion because we believed in this. We were just students ourselves. And we thought, what a better um, place to get our feet wet and really start to to chase the things that have been on our hearts to this point in our lives Mm -hmm. than jumping feet first in, head first in, and, uh, and really pursuing it. So, I mean, a range of emotions. We felt really kind of scared because we were like, you know, is our first ministry experience going to be a complete failure? Um, but we also had this, this real excitement that we're starting at the bottom and there was nowhere to go but up.
1: And so how long were you in that role for?
0: we uh well we're, we're in in many ways still in that role uh this is now three years later and we're still pastoring the same church um yeah
1: so you've transitioned from being like a student ministry like at the university to having a space outside like t- tell me about that
0: sure at the time we were meeting at in a bar on wilfer laurier's campus wilfer laurier is an incredible school in waterloo c- incredible university And we were lugging all of our equipment up three floors to this bar called The Turret. And the staff there was absolutely incredible. And we loved the relationships we were building there. But we were burning out volunteers like crazy because you would have to shove all of this equipment into a tiny elevator, take it up three uh, levels. And mostly it was just me and my wife and my father-in-law at the start uh, just, just, Showing up like five hours early for services and just <laughs> setting up all this pipe and drape, which is a church planner's best friend. Oh yes, and uh, tools
1: of the trade.
0: <laughs> t- tools of the trade. I say pipe and drape in other spheres, and they're like, "What are you talking no, about?" No,
1: no. This this crowd gets pipe and <laughs> this drape. This
0: crowd gets pipe and drape. <laughs> and so we're literally carrying all this stuff up three floors, and uh, that was that was one of the issues. But then one of the other issues we had was we were having students. Um, come from Waterloo University which is a different university here in Waterloo and they were coming and they just didn't feel comfortable staying on Wilfrid Laurier's campus they're going like we love what's happening here but this isn't our home and so we kept running into a lot of Waterloo students wanting to come um, some young working professionals that sort of thing so during the next summer we found ourselves in this small little chapel in an old church in Waterloo and we just decided to use four months the university summer to figure out venue. And we came across this venue called Maxwell's Concerts and Events in Waterloo. It's probably the best concerts and events place in the city. I was there for one of our, um, I think our drummers, he had, he had a band and he, he was just playing. And I was there and, and I was taking it all in and I thought this is a cool space. And I, I wander as church planners do and just wondered, Uh, you know, could this space work? And I wandered to the other side of that venue. And all of a sudden, it all dawned that this is where we needed to be. And it just so happened at the time, the owner had come around the other corner and was wondering what I was doing in the (laughs) space I wasn't supposed to be in. And I said, well, I'm a church planner. You know, I'm I'm just looking for space. And he said, well, what does that mean? And we had started a conversation. Um, Needless to say, we ended up there. And we ended up there because we wanted to be accessible to more students. We wanted to be accessible to more um than just students the young professionals that had started coming out and we also just wanted a space that our volunteers could load in on ground level and that was really important to Mm -hmm. us and so through that transition uh, it became not just a student thing but we actually changed our language into a young adult church that met still on monday nights
1: so do you still currently meet on on monday nights then we do you do you do
0: we currently still meet on monday nights
1: and so how long have you been at maxwell's then?
0: So, we've been at Maxwell's now for two years. Two years.
1: It is a beautiful venue. It's incredible. So, what are some of the um, most exciting things that have happened in the last two years for you as you've been there?
0: I hear a lot of uh, horror stories of venues and management of venues that doesn't coexist very well with church planners. Uh, they're not very supportive, or they make life very difficult for church planners. One of the most exciting things for us over the past two years is that we've had a chance to build a relationship with a venue that respects us just as much as we respect them. Uh, he's uh, he's the, the guy who owns Maxwell's and runs Maxwell's, was a grad of Wilfrid Laurier. And because we love the universities, we naturally love this entrepreneur that came out of a business program at Wilfrid Laurier. Mm-hmm. And so it gave us an immediate connect on just what we were doing and what he had come out of. And I would just say that one of the most exciting things that has developed over the past two years is this relationship that seems to just continue to grow and expand and uh, develop. Um, That would be one. Uh, Number two, we've just seen an incredible amount of growth within our church. And I would say that part of it is because of the venue, but part of it is just because we've hit our stride. So I don't know if the venue has a whole lot to do with it as much as um, we're now just kind of coming into our own.
1: That's super exciting. So how many young adults are coming out on a Monday night?
0: Yeah, so now, uh, two years later, um, I guess three years later now, we, we had the 30, I grew it down to 10, which was kind of everybody's story that takes some ministries. <laughs> I grew it down to 10, and now three years later, we have about 250 uh, young adults on a Monday night.
1: That's incredible. So yeah. describe to me what like um, a meeting looks like for you guys on a Monday night.
0: Sure. Well, on this spectrum of missional versus attractional i think people would initially uh, label us as attractional and that would be their initial uh, reaction to what we're doing so you'd walk in the atmosphere is bumping we've got secular music if we can divide it up that way um playing basically it's music that people can relate to that they're going to hear in starbucks and that sort of thing it's bumping Um, we have a countdown on, uh, we lift up these garage doors, um, that kind of build expectation towards their service. We come in, the countdown's going, the band's playing to the countdown, and then we just start off and we have, you know, lights running, we have a full worship set. Um, and then we just, I mean, we have a very traditional kind of service format, but then afterwards there's, you know, all the young adults will hang out to, you know, an hour, an hour and a half afterwards, and then they'll go visit different bars and go out to, um, I'm sure they're just eating at these different places, right? Of course. Um, But they'll go and hang out afterwards. But uh, I I, I mentioned that uh, you'd probably label us when you first saw us on the the end of Attractional because um, that's kind of intentional for us. Because we only see that as the lobby of our house, we we have other ways to get into our home, into the embassy. Right. Um, but this is one of the main ways because it's an easy connect for a lot of university students. They're at Maxwell's throughout the week, listening to a lot of other things that are very similar to what we're doing with a very different message. And so while it it might seem attractional, it's really not the focus of what we do.
1: Right. So when I'm thinking about like people that I've met over the last few years and pastors and churches like people are really wishing that they had more young adults in their church i mean we talk a lot at the new leaf network about those who have no religious affiliation or those who are done with church that are in that younger generation and you seem to have a church full of young people so what what do you think is attracting them or what do you think is you know um appealing to them about what you guys are doing
0: yeah i mean we have a lot of those individuals in our churches um We have a lot of people that at one point in their life said, we're done with this and are now coming back and reevaluating it. I think we have to be careful of the narratives that we tell ourselves. So one of the narratives we're telling ourselves right now in North America is that young adults are leaving the church. And to be honest, I don't really pay attention to the statistics because I think we can create a very bad narrative for ourselves. But one thing that we've used is we've used that statement and then just brought it um, to the other side for momentum's sake and said, listen, while." churches might be losing young adults, we're going to be a church that populates churches with young adults. And so with that said, we have no other choice than to use young adults to accomplish the mission of Jesus in our city. And I've realized that um, that's probably one of the biggest reasons that we have so many young adults plugged in, is that we just inherently trust them. We understand that they're starting out new in life. We understand that they don't have a whole lot of life experience. We also understand that they have a lot of questions about life. But we've just chosen to never be um, offended by that. We've chosen to never... um, There's a word I'm looking for. uh, To be scared by that. Yes. We realize that it's just a searching heart and a searching soul. And that's okay. But by being plugged in, all of a sudden, they're they're plugging themselves into something that has purpose, has meaning... Uh, has a lot of potential for their lives while also in an environment where they can ask these bigger questions. And so we don't provide nights where we just have like a question night where people can ask questions. We just equip every one of our leaders to be able to answer those questions themselves and to be able to have the freedom to say, I don't know the answer. Uh, Let's see what we can do about that. And so I would just say that the biggest thing that we've seen is that by trusting young adults, giving them responsibility, laying something on their life that has purpose, has just, I mean, they just continue to respond to that. I don't think it's necessarily the attractional model. I don't, in fact, it's not an attractional model, but the attractional service. Right. I don't think it's the speaking, I don't think it's the connect groups, I think it's just this place where people are getting connected, finding community, and uh, giving themselves that to something that is bigger than themselves.
1: When you think back to the last three years of doing this work, like, what is? Um, do you have any great stories of like transformation or interesting stories of things that have happened uh, that you were kind of surprised about or encouraged by?
0: Hmm. So many. Um, I remember hearing stories of past generations dealing with a lot of addiction type things. Alcohol addiction, drug addiction, drug, sex, and rock rock and roll. And that was what the church claimed to, you know, that's what we're after. You know, we're, we're gonna, we're gonna save people out of this lifestyle. Right. Um, I think in some ways we've carried that mentality into a more pre, postmodern rather, um, age where we're still trying to attack the same things when the issues have actually changed. It's no longer these external issues that we can, um, right now I'm wearing a Rolling Stone shirt. And previous to this generation, if somebody was wearing a Rolling Stones shirt, well, uh, shirt, well, we've got to we've got to get them saved. Right. Um, Where it's no longer that way. I mean, right. you've got strong Christians all tatted up. You've right. got um, strong Christians that look nothing like uh, what we had previously thought a Christian should look like. And so our issues in today's um, world are not as external as much as they are internal. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the great things about my wife being a therapist is that she has her her finger and her pulse on what the issue today's generation is facing, which is mental health. And so one of the biggest areas of transformation we've seen in our church is just so many individuals coming in with so many different mental health um, issues and problems and um, things that are just crippling their lives that we're, we're not running from. We're actually running to and going, Hey, this is, this is the, the predicament of our generation. Let's, let's talk about it. Let's, um, equip people to know how to deal with it. And so I would just say that a lot of our, the, the best stories that are coming out of our church right now are people that said, I almost committed suicide last night. And now I'm giving my life to this, <laughs> this deity that I just met. His name is Jesus. And, and we get really excited about that.
1: That's incredible. Yeah. What's it like? Uh, you were saying that you and your wife really co-pastor this thing together. Mm-hmm. So, what's it been like for you to be able to do shared leadership with her and and uh, and lead this thing together?
0: Yeah. Well, I think I, first of all, we just need to thank all of the leaders that have gone before us that have made a pathway for this to take place. I mean, at one point, woman in the church and, and leadership; that, those were not terms that fit together. And so we've been able to walk into a context where it's acceptable. So that's just given us a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. But when I say we passed her together, um, it's probably better for me just to say she's the better leader and I'm just along for the ride. Um, But in in reality, um, we just make sure that we do this together. She holds just as much authority. She casts just as much vision for where we're headed. Um, And then when it comes to this big issue that that our generation is facing, which is mental health. I mean, she's way more equipped to deal with that than I am because she's a trained psychotherapist. And she has all the skills and tools required to, to really deal with that on a practical level. And so um, our gifts, we, we've learned over the past three years, just, you know, where I'm strong and where she's strong. And we just play to our strengths.
1: That's awesome. You guys have an exciting new chapter coming up in your mm-hmm. life in terms of uh, the church. So why don't you tell me a little bit about that?
0: Sure, yes. Well, um, one of the great things when young adults show up is that they show up in numbers and droves and, and, and you come, become a little bit viral, which is great, uh, unless it's not sustainable. And so about a year in, we had grown from a little 10 to about 150. And we were kind of analyzing whether or not this was a good thing. Uh, Generally speaking, I think people just run with it. You know, when you're getting numbers and when people are turning up, you just keep doing what you're doing. But from a leadership perspective and from a sustainability perspective, I was worried that this wasn't sustainable. Mm. I was looking out on the people that are attending, and I saw a lot of great churches in our city represented in our own church, and I was thinking this is either going to pull them out of their churches and they're not going to go back, or um they're just going to not find a church to be able to go into that's like ours after this right and and have the potential of lo- losing their faith so we started asking big questions about um is this sustainable what are we really doing are we contributing to what's happening in the city or are we just competing with what's happening in the city hmm. and so rather than just run with the success the external success that we had seen we asked ourselves do we want to be healthy and do we want to be sustainable so we made the decision a year and a half ago to actually um Tell everybody that we were going to put an end to the student ministry that was thriving and we were going to start a family ministry. And what that required for us was talking to everybody that we saw in front of us and making sure that they were planted where they came from or if they had found faith in our church were planted with us. And so that's been a, about a year and a half long journey of transitioning a, a student church into a family church. And it's not that, it's not that simple and not that clear cut, but that, <laughs> that's kind of like the a cakewalk cake yeah, it seems like a cakewalk yeah.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness so you're in this middle of this transition now so are you replanting or are you relaunching like what's the kind of the terminology they're using or are you just saying you're planting a brand new church
0: yeah i mean i think we would like to say we're relaunching to honor the history but for those that are far from god that we're actually trying to reach that just doesn't make any sense to them right so we're uh, in the minds of everybody, we're just launching a new church to just clean things up. And if they have questions uh, beyond that, then, I mean, people have walked with us for about a year and a half through this, so they'll be able to answer those.
1: That's awesome. So yeah. tell me about your new, like, are you going to be still meeting at Maxwell's? Is there anything different to what you're doing or you're really just kind of rebranding or is there a whole different vision behind what you're doing?
0: Mm-hmm. I think the biggest difference in vision is that we're thinking generationally now so our conversation is not just the 10-year conversation it's not a 300-year conversation Um, and what i mean by that is that i think you can often tell the health of a church by the next generation that comes along Uh, i'm personally a fan and that's probably the wrong word to use in this context but i personally am very fond of hillsong church and one of the reasons i'm fond of them is i've seen that 15 years after it started their kids are now leading the charge. And 15 years after Hillsong United, there is now another generation leading the charge. And they seem to just grow stronger with age. I think we see a lot of churches that grow, blow up, and a generation later they're gone and they're struggling with all the same things that a lot of churches are struggling with that are on the decline. And so one of the questions we're asking ourselves right from the start is what not what does it look like to... Uh, build a church for five years and so there's a lot of hype involved but what does it look like to build a church that's rooted in the soil of Ontario but also um, is, is also ready and open-handed to our kids that are already starting to come and grow up I want to build I want to build a church for my daughter's kids I want to build a church where my daughter's kids can bring their friends And that means just being willing to change and being willing to be a little less close handed with things that, that maybe I'd want to be close handed with as a leader. And so on a vision level, we're thinking much further down the road. We're making decisions based on what would it look like in 50 years if we made this decision now, um, on our branding level. Yeah, we're, we're actually, we're kind of uh, rebranding totally. So we're not going to be the embassy. We're actually gonna be calling ourselves slate church, S L A T E. And, uh, um, so we're doing a whole rebranding process. We're going away from this like dark kind of like underground music scene vibe to a very bright, vibrant. Um, and our slogan is come alive. And so very much like a come alive brand. Um, and so that's all taking place all at the same time. Um, I had a mentor that described it as flying a plane while trying to rebuild it. And that's exactly how it feels.
1: Yeah, we, we, we use that analogy a lot at New Leaf.
0: Do you? Well he probably got it from you guys. Then. No,
1: we probably stole it from someone. Okay. We're just we've been flying this thing and trying to build it so we we totally get you. Yes. <laughs> so when does uh Slate Church then officially launch?
0: September seventeenth, twenty seventeen.
1: That's exciting. What is like What's one of the things that's exciting you the most about this whole process? Because to some people, they might actually find like a rebrand and going through a reboot or whatever you want to call it kind of daunting. But what's something that's like actually really exciting and giving you life about or making you come alive?
0: Mm, that's a good question. Uh, there, there is a lot of things. I think when there is a need and you express that there is a need and that you're not wanting to do it all by yourself, there's a lot of people that step up to the plate. And so we've been seeing so many... Uh, in our church, step up to the plate. We had a we had a time where a lot of people left because of the direction that we were going, um, but now what we're experiencing is a lot of people stepping up to the plate. So we have a launch team um, of of over a hundred people right now. That's exciting. Um, they're they're on board. They're excited about what's coming coming and and that's really exciting to us. But on a on a purely rebranding side of things, I love that when I read throughout the Bible, it seems like God is always rebranding people. He's always giving them new names. He's always giving them new purpose and new meaning for different seasons of their life. And generally, it's the seasons where they get really serious with him. And so I think we've been serious about God this entire time. But now we're kind of being serious about some of the things that he's serious about, which is, hey, it's not the church doesn't exist for you. It exists for me. And I I think that change in heart is really exciting to us because it's just breathing new life into young adults that are let's be honest, I mean, we are internally focused, you know, on where our career is going, where our education is going, where we're what we're going to get from life. And so now it's being completely redirected externally. How can we build a presence in our city that the, the city can't ignore? How can we build a church that lasts beyond ourselves? And how can we be a part of something that is bigger than ourselves on a consistent basis? And so all of that to me is really exciting. Um, it gives you a much larger um, a larger picture of life.
1: So if people wanted to connect with you, if they hear this and they're like, that guy sounds pretty cool and he sounds like he's doing great <laughs> yeah. stuff, what's the best way for them to connect with you?
0: Sure. Um, well, one of the best ways is going to our website, slatechurch.com. You can find us... On Facebook at Slate Church. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter you're, at Slate Church.
1: You're everywhere. You got you good job on getting Slate Church at all of those handles. Nice well, job. Well that's one of the
0: reasons we chose it. I mean every other name in the in the book is taken. <laughs> Slate, I mean that's why people ask us, why did you choose Slate? And we're like, it's just because nobody else had it. <laughs>
1: We could actually get the URL. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story. Um, maybe one last thing before we go would be, mm-hmm. if, you know, lots of people that listen to this podcast are thinking about starting something new. They're thinking about maybe starting a new kind of missional-minded community or potentially stepping out and starting a church plant. W- like, what's something that uh, you could encourage them with? Like, what's something that you experienced or, or um, some advice that you have for people that are kind of just like should I? Mm -hmm. Should I? Kind of thinking about starting something.
0: Surround yourself with good mentors. They'll either confirm or deny what's going on in your life. Understand that Jesus' own prayer was to send more workers into the harvest field. And so if it's on your mind, hopefully it comes to fruition because he's always interested in more workers. And pursue your passions. Um, It's not always easy, but neither is a is anything else you're going to do in life. And if you're not passionate about something you're doing in life and you go through those same struggles, it's going to cripple you. But when you're pursuing your passions, you, you have stronger shoulders and a stronger back. So I would say as long as the people around you that can speak in your life are saying go for it, then just go for it and trust that God's going to provide the resources because he's really interested in what you're doing probably more than you are.
1: That's great advice. Well, I just want to thank you so much for everything that you're doing. I've always heard great stuff about your church and about the stuff that you've been doing. So as another KW inhabitor, thank you for bringing the good news of the gospel to KW. And I'm so excited to see where this whole all goes with Slate Church, maybe like in a year or so. We'll connect again and see how you're doing. So thank you very much for the gift that you are to the Canadian church. We appreciate you.
0: And thank you newly for everything you guys are doing. You're moving things forward and we're better because of you. Awesome. High five. Perfect.
2: That was L. Pike and Brandon Richardson of the Embassy. Great interview, L. What were some of the takeaways for you from that?
1: Uh, you know what, just sitting down with Brandon and understanding his passion and his willingness. I mean, I love the story that when he first um, coming out of school at Redeemer, he and his wife thought, you know, for sure they were going to plant in Toronto. They had a core team. They were, you know, interviewing different churches, helping other church plants, setting up, tearing down, getting a vibe, interviewing people, saying, okay, like, what would it be like if we planted a church here? And I love that they discerned that That was not the city for them. I think that was really an interesting part of the story because um, oftentimes our passion and our excitement and our exuberance for things can sometimes cause us to go places and do things that maybe God's not necessarily asking us to go and do. And so I thought it was excellent that he had a team of people discerning um, and that as soon as they kind of said, no, I don't think that this is the place, I don't think we're going to Toronto, um, that they were able to come to Waterloo and start this incredible work.
2: Yeah, I think discernment is a key piece of the early stages of church planting. And uh, if you're out there and you're haunted by an idea and, and you, you're you feeling tempted to do it, do yourself a favor and really dig in with a community to people to help you think this stuff through because uh, uh, all kinds of disasters can be averted from simply listening and being honest with ourselves. And uh, I think discernment is a gift from God and it's, it's, uh, it's clearly something that really helped out in this case. And uh, you know, Toronto is a great place to go plant a church, and I think people should do it. But I only think called people should do it. So, um, tell us a bit more about some of the some of the other takeaways for you from this cell.
1: Yeah, I love that uh, Brandon was talking a lot about um, how people would view their their church um, coming to the student ministry as attractional that it would appear to them that that's how it is, but that it actually has a lot of missional components, um, and that the things maybe that um, that you know the smoke, the lights, some of the stuff that they do—that's you know exciting for younger people that are in their early twenties, late teens. Not necessarily something that he would do do himself. It's not necessarily—he doesn't necessarily love them. But it's not about him. It's about the people that he's called to serve, and it's about the people that uh, their church is connecting with in meaningful ways. Uh, I thought that him talking about that, and I think it was really. One of my favorite takeaways, and it's really something that I haven't given a lot of thought to and I'm going to moving forward, was the distinction that within the group that he's leading, 200 some odd young people, that their biggest issue maybe isn't necessarily the things that we would think. So um, typically church people, as he explained, would have a thought that, you know, it's like young people are struggling with addictions. They're struggling with drugs, alcohol, sexuality stuff. And it's not to say that they're not, but what they have found in their group is that it's mental health. And that is by far the number one thing that people in that generation in this town are struggling with. And that his wife has a clinical background, that she's a trained psychotherapist, and how they've been able to come together and address these issues with people in their early 20s, just incredible. And I just think knowing your context, knowing your people, um, knowing what they're facing and doing your best to create this compelling story of who Jesus is. Um, I'm just, I, I'm so proud of the work that he's doing only because I know so many people that have been connected in with this church um, and the stuff they've been able to do and people's lives are being changed and transformed. And On the outside, you might think, oh, it's at a music venue. It's loud. It's got EDM beats everywhere. Not my jam. Doesn't matter. Doesn't have to be your jam. It's for those kids. It's for those young adults. And something is connecting and people are coming to know Christ. And so I'm incredibly encouraged. Love what they're doing. Love that they're doing a new replant, that they're not just focused on young adults, but they're going to create something that's a little more intergenerational. Um, yeah, just great work. Can't say enough about, about the the work that they're doing and that the embassy is turning into Slate Church. And I'm, I'm super excited for them and their launch in September.
2: Wow, you do sound excited. I, I, I like hearing that in your voice. So if people want to uh, follow this story um, online or they want to get connected or maybe they're heading to uh, Laurier or Waterloo themselves, um, how, would, how, would they, how would they connect with, with Brandon and the crew?
1: Well, SlateChurch.com is their website. And I love that he tells the story that they chose the name Slate because they could get the URL. It's the best. It's the world we live in these days. So you can find them on Facebook and Instagram, Slate Church, and they are uh, going to be launching um, in September. So be sure to check them out. Keep an eye on keep an eye on what they're up to because they're doing good good things.
2: All right, L. If they want to stay connected with us, the New Leaf Network, how are they going to do it?
1: www.newleafnetwork.ca. Check us out on our Facebook page. Connect and share and, um, you know, discuss some of the articles and things that we've been sharing, our blog. Uh, lots of people have been connecting with that, and so we share lots of stuff there. Um, be sure to check out our events page. We've got an event coming up um, in Montreal on October 24th. We're doing the pre-conference for the Church Plant Canada Congress. You're going to want to be there. We're talking about the nuns and duns, the evolving story of secularity in Canada. Lots of great people coming there. It's 25 bucks. If you're in the Montreal area, we would love for you to be there. If you're a church planter and you're looking to connect with other church planters as well, we'd love for you to come to the Congress. We're going to be there. It's two or three days long in Montreal, St. Jack's. Beautiful location. Can't can't beat there so come hang out with us uh if you want to register for that you can check out the that is correct the Ooh.
2: congress.ca yes yes we're going to be there in full force new leafers from roof to rafter to floor all over the place so please uh please if 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 you're if this is going to be a financial burden i understand uh, that is a big deal but bug your denominations Ask them to help you get to these kinds of things because uh, getting Canadian resourcing for Canadian work so important, and this is this is the place to find it. Uh, I'm excited about our pre-conference. We've got a good lineup of speakers, and uh, we're going to be doing um, doing lots of interactive stuff, lots of stuff that I think is going to be worth way more than the 25 bucks we're asking at the door. But also the Congress it brings together. Uh, planters, denominational leaders, all folks concerned with the Canadian context from across the country. It's a brilliant event. It's a beautiful city. We're right in the downtown, right in the thick of it, right in, in the middle of a, 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 an unfolding Canadian story. So do yourself a favor and see if you can get there. Um, And uh, yeah, so that's, that's that. I think face-to-face meetings with the New Leaf network is always fun. Uh, we're trying to plan out uh, a bit of a tour next year through a couple of different kinds of events so we're looking at at being in places like Calgary and Vancouver and Saskatoon. so folks come out and see us hang out with us. we want to know who you are. we want to know uh, what you're thinking about. And if you hear of any stories out there and you think that we should be doing some interviews, by all means send us an email. Let us know and, and we'll have the person on the show. All right, friends, thanks for tuning in. This has been a great episode. we got lots more to come in the future. So keep your internet dials tuned to the New Leaf Project. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Bye-bye.
1: Bye, friends. Thanks for listening to the New Leaf Podcast. You can find us on the web at newleafnetwork.ca or head on over to our Facebook page, New Leaf Network. We have events, workshops, and conversations happening all the time. We would love if you could join us as we share the stories of planters and stars all across Canada. El Pike. That's what they call me.